Trading in futures products entails significant risk of loss, which must be understood prior to trading and may not be appropriate for all investors. Good morning, everybody. It's Friday, July 14th, 5.30 a.m. Central Time. Higher trade across the board in the grain markets this morning. Brian Split, uh, McKenzie, thank you for joining me early this morning. Why don't we start off with yesterday's price action, guys? So yesterday, corn and soybean futures erased the losses associated with this week's USDA report. December corn futures uh, gained more than 16 cents per bushel, while November soybean futures gained 42 cents per bushel. Wednesday's report day sell-off could have marked a false downside breakout on the new crop corn chart in particular. Okay, Brian, so yesterday uh, in the podcast, I called uh, Wednesday's close a death close. I was like, this is ugly. We went down, we made new lows, we closed down there. That's a real ugly deal. And then yesterday we reversed all of it. Now we've erased all of the losses associated with the report. What does this chart look like to you? Uh, you're right. So yesterday uh, for the premium video, we drew some lines and kind of showed why there might be some lower kind of channel support yeah. below there. Uh, yesterday was an engulfing candle. So you just see the size of the candle to the upside. Uh, engulfs the size of the candle to the downside the previous day. So um, that little high at 509.5 is the next key area. And if you were to do a retracement from the high in June all the way down to the lows yesterday, 537.5 would be the measurement uh, for the 38% retracement. And that would also be the same exact measurement if you take the distance from 509.5 to yesterday's 481 low and take that and project it above 509 and a half that actually projects up to 537 and a half as well so that i think is a very realistic target if we can punch through 510 okay so that's something to be optimistic about i think the price action here is something to be optimistic about let me ask you this did we did the did the row crop markets sell off for the wrong reasons on wednesday did usda really tell us anything that we didn't already know um, you know, I thought the the sell-off in corn um, was a little overdone just based on what we've already priced into it. And the report really didn't say anything above and beyond what uh, the trade was expecting. So it, nothing additionally bearish. Uh, I get the sell-off in the beans because that was an unexpected reduction in demand for new crop. Uh, that The market knows, though. The market knows that the new crop export thing is right. a toss-up and that it's too early to gauge it. it. It feels to me like they traded the carryout number. Like, they printed this 300. Oh, my gosh, it's 100 million higher than right, what right. the trade thought. But that's that's not real. No, and, and then, you know, what happens, right? You see them reduce the expectation of export demand for soybeans, and then we come in the very next day in, in Mexico – uh, right is is buying a pretty good clip of beans. So yeah. we start seeing some export business come in here, and and it uh, becomes a little bit more frequent. And then you look at that bean chart, and it looks like uh, what I would probably call an ascending triangle, right? So it's kind of a flat high above the market with an uptrend into it. And uh, if we punch through that uh, that flat base of highs, uh, then that's that's going to be a, a bullish breakout to the upside. Okay, one of the factors that helped contribute to this yesterday, I think, was the action in the currency markets. So uh, yesterday, the U.S. dollar index fell 
0.8% to 99.74, its lowest level since April 2022. The dollar has now fallen for six consecutive days, its longest losing streak since September of 2021. Against the yen, the dollar fell to a seven-year low, and against, against the Swiss franc, the dollar plunged to an eight-year low. This week's friendly CPI and PPI readings showed that inflation is declining more than anticipated. The Fed is still expected to hike interest rates this month, but experts believe the U.S. economy is headed for a soft <clears throat> landing instead of a hard one. Yeah, everything in the financial markets indicates that a soft landing is is uh, probable, if not very likely at this point. The dollar's backing off because we see a light at the end of the tunnel when it comes to rate hikes. They're thinking a hike this month, but then after that, um, maybe not so much. Brian, how bullish is is a lower dollar for commodity prices? It's tough because uh, you think about commodity prices were going up as the dollar was going up. Uh, but if the, it was a uh, weird deal, that it, was it really though. was that relationship was was just out of whack. Uh, but, you know, at least the perception of, of a lower dollar being com more competitive versus uh, especially the Brazilian real. If we see the, the real uh, gain in value um, as the dollar it's been goes more down, sideways, like, yeah, it's a very the lower market. end of the range. So you start to see some buying in the real as the dollar continues to break. Uh, that should be supportive for exports. But if you go back to that dollar chart for a second, it really looks like what we've been doing since 2023, that would be a descending triangle. So you look at those two early lows in the year and then the downtrend from the highs uh, that we have. Uh, even the, the more recent highs there, like the, your your uh, uh, February, March time frame, and then the ones that we made in the, the May to June time frame, that would measure down to about 94. Uh, and if you had a, a continuous chart, and I looked, I know we looked at that yesterday, Joe, um, there's a lot of air below this all the way down into the low 90s. So this, this dollar could see a pretty sizable move to the downside. And also interesting is this July, August, September time frame, a year ago was three months of very strong buying in the dollar yeah. uh, to the tune of about six to 700 points. Uh, so you wonder if July, which has already started with aggressive selling, leads to July, August, September. So basically this, this third quarter of the year where they're selling the dollar, maybe to the same extent, and that would take you down into that 94 area. So definitely something that could be a, a tailwind for, uh, for ad commodities for the, the rest of the quarter. The dollar index, guys, um, is... It's a big sentiment thing for maybe for large money managers, people like that. The one thing that that it does not include, which and, and that's why we included it here, the dollar index that everybody follows does not include the currency of our biggest competitor on the export market when it comes to corn and soybeans, which is Brazil. And that's why you've got to almost like I think in regard to the fundamental side of it, like will our corn and soybeans become more competitive? Looking at the uh, U.S. dollar versus Brazilian real relationship is perhaps more relevant, but the dollar index definitely matters for uh, the commodity complex as a whole. So in addition to, to the weaker dollar, I think the weather is also a little bit more friendly here, maybe. U.S. weather forecasts are drier. Most of the Western Corn Belt and U.S. Plains will be dry over the next five days. The Eastern Corn Belt has better rain chances. The 10-day Euro and GFS runs also, also leave much of the West dry. Month to date, several areas of the U.S. have seen precipitation that is well below normal. These areas include large chunks of Minnesota, Wisconsin, Iowa, and Missouri in particular. This is a good map, Brian. This is month-to-date precipitation as a percentage of normal. 
um, through July. And we're always told the corn crop is made in July. I know it's uh, slightly more complicated than that, but uh, pick out the areas that have been really dry so far in July versus normal. Um, Southern Minnesota, uh, certainly some chunks of central and eastern Iowa here, a lot of Missouri, a lot of Wisconsin, and there are pockets elsewhere that have been really dry. So this is not like, I know USDA said in the report, you know, we've got improving July weather or better than June, but I mean, it's not that, that's not the case everywhere. No, and I've got a kind of a pocket of clients in that southern Minnesota area, and it's just been a really tough growing season yeah. for them. Um, you know, for them, it feels like 2012. It's just been that bad with, uh, you know, uh, I think going all the way back to early May, uh, there's just been strings of periods where there's been, you know, a, a few tents here and there. But by and large, it's just been absolutely nothing for them, and that's been really tough. Yeah, these areas, these uh, call them, you know, east areas of the eastern Corn Belt or eastern half. I mean, a lot of Illinois has done much better in terms of precipitation in July. Uh, Indiana, Ohio, Kentucky, places like that. But then you start to go further west and further north. Uh, even parts of North Dakota, like the northern part, have not really done that great in terms of rainfall so far in July. And this is just the month of July in a vacuum versus normal. But uh, it's it's not ideal everywhere, despite the fact that you've seen this uh, big time sell off in the corn market. Um, we had drought monitor stuff out yesterday. Yep. Uh, for the most part, drought conditions are currently in a holding pattern. Rainfall was spotty across the Corn Belt this week, causing more deterior deterioration than improvement. The majority of Missouri, Iowa, Minnesota, Wisconsin, and the lower Great Lakes region recorded below average rainfall, leading to persistent or worsening drought con conditions. Moderate to locally heavy rains fell across eastern Nebraska, southeastern South Dakota, and south central and southwestern Kansas leading to significant drought improvement. So when we look at the percentage of U.S. areas experiencing drought, corn country, 64%. Soybeans, 57, winter wheat, 52, uh, spring wheat, 25, and cattle country, 38%. Brian, USDA told us on Wednesday, uh, despite the fact that they cut their yield estimate for corn, they are projecting a record U.S. corn yield this year. Does this drought, mo does this drought monitor uh, look like record corn yield to you? It, I, it doesn't. I mean, you know, and that's a tough thing is you, you think about, and maybe this is recency bias, but last year, right, was a, a 173, and we had good subsoil moisture going into the growing season, uh, and then we got some timely rains. And so I, I think one major difference is just the subsoil moisture profiles coming into this growing season, much different than last year. You've got, as you, as Mackenzie mentioned, what, 64% of the corn growing areas in a drought yet. Uh, so I think that's part of this right now is maybe that that cut in yield yesterday leads the trade to believe that there should be some additional yield cuts coming forward. And then that yield cut yesterday on corn maybe leads the trade to believe that there's going to be a, a yield cut in August for the soybeans. USDA's got the corn yield at 177 and a half. The previous record, I believe, was 176.7 from two years ago, from 2021. So, I mean, it is it is kind of tough to stomach or or believe the idea that you're going to have a record U.S. corn yield given this drought monitor. But that's what that's what USDA threw out there. Maybe Wednesday's cut to the yield was just the first of uh, what could be several cuts. We'll see. 
U.S. corn export sales have improved a little bit. Net corn sales of 468,400 metric tons for 2022-2023 were up 86% from the previous week and up noticeably from the prior four-week average. However, accumulated corn sales for the current marketing year are down 35% compared to the same period last year. Net soybean sales of 80,600 metric tons for 2022-2023 were down 57% from the previous week and down 76% from the prior four-week average. Net wheat wheat sales of 395,700 metric tons for 2023-2024 were down 2.5% from the previous week. Uh, The old crop corn number was actually okay, and that's about where we need to be if we're going to hit the the USDA projection for old crop, the soybean number's not good, and they actually may need to to cut exports for old crop a little bit more. Brian, these new crop sales are still not good. No, um, but that's the thing. I mean, there's two ways of looking at it. You look at the pace analysis, and it says, wow, we're really not doing good. No. Uh, but then you look at it maybe from the other angle and say, well, maybe when the buying does come in, there's quite a bit of buying to be done. Uh, it's not something to be bullish about right now. But I do think if you start seeing strings of export sales come together, uh, you know, you get a, a sale to Mexico, maybe another t- day or two later, China starts buying, uh, then that's going to be supportive. But uh, I think you got to get more than just a, a one day sale to start feeling like there's business that's being transacted. The big problem here, or one of the big problems is the absence of China as a buyer on the new crop um, in the new crop markets. China wasn't even listed in, in the highlights um, in new crop soybean sales. And usually they would be the star of the show like every single week. They're not even listed here. I mean, your largest buyers of new crop beans on the week, Japan, Mexico, Indonesia, Taiwan, uh, China's been basically absent from the new crop corn market. And that's what's different about this year versus the last, say, three years. China was buying a lot of new crop at this time, and they're just they're just not. They're buying from Brazil, and that's uh, part of the problem. We did have a flash sale yesterday, as you mentioned. Yes, USDA reported a flash sale of U.S. soybeans to Mexico on Thursday. U.S. exporters sold 315,704 metric tons of soybeans to Mexico for delivery during the next marketing year. This is the second flash sale of soybeans to Mexico since the beginning of the year, totaling 489,885 metric tons. Mexico isn't the buyer that's going to push us over the the top here in terms of uh, soybean exports, but this is helpful. Yeah, it's nice to see purchases uh, nonetheless, but um, when we're starting to talk about the idea of stringing together a few million tons of purchases over the course of a month, let's say, it's not going to be Mexico to do that. It's it's China. Yeah, we need we need China back in the ballgame uh, very badly here. Uh, Conab had its report out yesterday. Yes, uh, massive soybean and corn yields have increased Brazil's grain output. Brazil's farmers will harvest an estimated 317.5 million tons of grain this season thanks to enormous corn and soybean crops. On Thursday, Conab raised its second corn production estimate to 98 million tons from 96.3 million in June. In total, Brazil's corn production is expected to rise 13% compared to last year, reaching almost 128 million tons. Brazilian soybean production is expected to reach a record 154.5 million tons, up 23% compared to 2022. Brazil is still... uh undercutting us on the export markets, Brian. I think that's going to be the case for a while. Yeah, things have tightened up, though, a little bit. And, uh, you know, if you're a buyer that needs quick ship, it's going to come from the U.S. And maybe that's at least a good start to things right now. 
Yeah. Uh, Mackenzie, you're a resident uh, cattle person. Cattle was mixed yesterday. Uh, mostly down. The rally in corn futures really weighed on cattle futures, uh, especially feeder cattle. Uh, they lost an average of 236. Uh, they were down anywhere from a buck 57 to 277 lower. Live cattle futures didn't see quite as bad of losses, but they still closed down an average of 32 cents. Uh, cash cattle trade has not taken off this week. Box beef had another down day. Uh, Choice ended the day at 306.91. That was down 407. Select ended the day at 280.18. That was down 92 cents. Was there much cash trade anywhere yet this week? No, nothing that really established a trend. There might have been a few sales out in the country, but nothing really reported at all. Outside markets are fairly quiet this morning. U.S. dollars up just a little bit. Stocks are mixed. Bonds off just marginally. Crude oil is down 14 cents in the August WTI 76.75. Brian McKenzie, have a great weekend. Everybody, we will talk to you on Monday.